the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. The Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. It's past 10 o'clock on this Thursday, the sixth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. And yes, our 75th anniversary commemorative program of the D-Day landings does continue now. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan for his thoughts and his recollections and his commemoration of the events. The President of the United States joined other world leaders today at Normandy. Uh, recounting the unbelievable, incomprehensible sacrifices made by not only the most courageous men, arguably, uh, arguably to ever live, but also some of the smartest men, some of the men with the, with the best initiatives, and yes, some of the men with the most faith that we have ever seen, because they needed it to go into battle. And it was that, it is that faith that I would like to focus on now as I welcome back to our program Mr. Bill Federer, who is an American historian. He is a best-selling author. He is a nationally known speaker. And uh, he is a man of great faith. He has a book that is out now that I was so privileged to be able to be handed a copy of last month at the Spring Freedom Banquet down in Akron. It's called Miracles in American History, 32 Amazing Stories of Answered Prayer. Uh, Mr. Federer, good to have you back on our program, sir. How are you? Bob, great to be with you. It's always good to talk to you. It's even better to listen to you, and that's what I'm going to try to do now is get out of the way. Um, I, I've been trying to describe to our listeners, Bill, uh, the wonderful slideshow presentation you gave uh, at the Spring Freedom Banquet, and I've seen before, uh, in which you discuss the role of faith and the role of prayer and the role of God in the um, in the achievement of some of these monumental victories and uh, in the advancement of freedom and the defeat of evil. It's simply remarkable, and I know you can't do a slideshow on the radio, but I'm going to ask you to give me the best audio version of it that you can to let everybody know exactly how important what uh, President uh, Roosevelt did when he sent these uh, men off to this unbelievable battle 75 years ago today, and even the invocation of God by General Eisenhower, who was in charge of the Allied forces. Bill, take it away. 
Well, thank you, Bob. Right now, I am at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., and they have the veterans that served in World War II being honored. And right after this is going to be made the presentation uh, by Senator Portman uh, and, of course, Chris, Chris Long, Ohio Christian Alliance, of adding Franklin Roosevelt's D-Day prayer to this memorial, uh, ddayproject.org. And this is significant because when you look at the uh, entire monument, there's no mention of God. Yet what do we see when we go to Normandy? We see crosses and stars of David. There's like 9,000 crosses and maybe 300 stars of David. These are men and women of faith. Now, to understand, uh, Hitler was the head of the National Socialist Workers' Party. Socialism means your life isn't worth if the state thinks so. If you do not contribute to the state or you're a drain on the state, you're worthless. And you're eradicated and sent to gas chambers and so forth. And so we see that uh, Hitler was taking over Austria, uh, Poland, Denmark, Norway, Luxembourg, Belgium, Holland, France. Uh, just unbelievable the amount of land he was conquering. And uh, it was basically up to America to enter into the war to stop it. Hitler had made a league with Japan. From the 1935 on, Japan had been invading China. Uh, Hitler made a league with Mussolini. Uh, from 1937, the Italians invaded Ethiopia in North Africa. This was a global effort that they had, and appeasement wasn't working. And so it was uh, Franklin Roosevelt that made the decision after the Pearl Harbor bombing Matter of fact, he ends his Pearl Harbor speech on December 7th saying, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. And um, and then we have the D-Day invasion. Uh, it was going to take place on June 5th, but the weather was bad, the tides were not right, and the, the planes couldn't fly. Uh, so uh, Eisenhower makes a, a 24-hour delay, which is really, really risky when you have... Uh, 5,000 ships and 13,000 aircraft and 195,000 seamen, maybe, and you have 160, and they're all on the boats. They're just waiting for 24 hours. Why? Uh, because the uh, needed to have the air cover. And so there was this window of just a couple hours where the sky was going to clear. Uh, Eisenhower gives the order, and he says, uh, we're about to embark on the great crusade. Uh, liberty-loving people all around the world uh, are with you. And then he, he ends it as well. Let us ask the blessings of Almighty God on this great endeavor. He mentions God. So what happens? The airplanes fly. Uh, they drop bombs, taking out bridges and uh, Nazi uh, gun positions. Then the paratroopers come in, and they drop thousands and thousands of American paratroopers and allies behind enemy lines. And their job is to cut off the supply lines. And then you have the Rangers, uh, 250 of these really tough guys land they shoot their anchors up onto the cliff they scale the cliffs uh they're at point du hawk and uh they're being shot at uh some of them finally make it to the top they throw grenades into the uh, nazi machine gun nest and then at 6 30 a.m is when the landing takes place and 160,000 of these americans pour onto the shores uh 9,000 were killed uh but this was so important uh it began to push back within the next couple of weeks over a million landed uh, and then within uh, two months, they liberated Paris. And then when, within 11 months, they took Berlin, and the war was over. So this was the turning point. 
This was, uh, first of all, just a phenomenal recollection of all of this, Bill. And, and obviously the theme here is, again, the references to God, the invocation of the Almighty, and the begging of Him for His blessings on this these incredible missions. And not every prayer was answered. I mean, obviously, this, the loss of life was was astronomical. It's it's hard for us for, for us to even comprehend uh, the sacrifices that were made there. But yet, that is what kept everyone going: the belief that that what they were doing was blessed by God, that what they were doing was sanctioned, in my mind at least, by God, and that whether you survived it or not, you were going to be rewarded in the end by the Almighty. And that faith is what it's the only thing I think, Bill. Right, that can carry a, a man or a group of men through something like this is a belief that what they are doing is going to end end up with uh, with the, with the righteous rewards of heaven. Right, uh, and this is what FDR. Now, uh, I wrote a whole book called "The Faith of FDR." I read through mm-hmm. every address when he was in public office. He was in office twelve years. He got elected president four times. The only president ever to, because we passed the Twenty Second Amendment, limiting a president to only two terms. But here's a significant president. He's Democrat, and so. Uh, why is that important? It's because this is a bipartisan effort to add his D-Day prayer. In his prayer, he says, um, uh, I ask you to join with me in prayer, Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts. He goes on, the enemy is strong. He will hurl back our forces. He said, some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. Help us, Almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith to thee. And then he goes on with the prayer. But uh, at one point, he says, a struggle to preserve our republic. What's a republic? A republic is where the people are king, ruling through representatives. So when we pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic, we're basically pledging allegiance to us being in charge of ourselves. And so when somebody protests the flag, what they're saying is, I don't want to be the king. I protest this system where people rule themselves without some dictator. Um, Struggle to preserve our republic, our religion. Well, what's the religion? Well, FDR passed out Gideon's New Testament and Book of Psalms to all the soldiers in World War II. Brown ones to the Army, blue ones to the Navy. He writes the foreword. It says, as commander-in-chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces. Uh, In my book, The Faith of FDR, I list these quotes. And one of them, he says, um, preservation of these rights is vitally important to the whole future of Christian civilization. He said, the whole world is divided between pagan brutality and the Christian ideal. We choose human freedom, which is the Christian ideal. Uh, FDR said, I saw Sevastopol and Yalta. What are those? That's the Eastern Front. That's where the Nazis tried to invade the Soviet Union, and tens of millions died. But he says, I know there's not room enough on Earth for both German militarism and Christian decency. Uh, another place, he says, those forces hate democracy and Christianity. Uh, they oppose democracy because it is Christian. They oppose Christianity because it preaches democracy. Again, these are quotes from Democrat President uh, Eisenhower just 75 years ago. Uh, the whole politically correct thing had not been birthed. <laughs> it was still okay back then to mention God. And, again, when you go to Normandy, you see rows and rows of what? Crosses. That's right. Uh, And then Stars of David. These were men and women of faith. It's only fitting that the faith that they had should be acknowledged at this World War II memorial in Washington, D.C. And that's why I'm so thrilled to be a part of this ddayprayerproject.org, where private individuals can contribute. There's a deadline. It has to be done within just another year or their legislation runs out. 
Uh, the federal funds can't pay for it because it mentions prayer and the, there might be lawsuits. So this is a, a critical opportunity, this window in time that we have to add this historic prayer to this uh, memorial that really this uh, the war that changed the face of the world from socialist dictators to freedom of the individual. I cannot tell you how uh, wonderful it is to know that you were there on the scene, as well as Chris Long, whose idea this was to add this prayer to the memorial. Bill, uh, just real briefly, I mean, was was God intentionally omitted from the design of the original memorial before this uh, idea that uh, you know Chris got off the ground with the help of Bill Johnson and Rob Portman? Was it intentional, or was it just you know an, an absence of of thought? Right. Uh, we just did an interview with CBN um, uh, here at the memorial, uh, and the point was brought out that um, the uh, architects and designers of the memorial, when it was highlighted that there was no mention of God, they just said, well, we had to take excerpts of the, his speeches. It's like, okay, you just happened to excerpt out every... <laughs> One of them is so obvious. FDR said, we will gain the inevitable victory, so help us God. They put, we will, we will gain the inevitable victory, period. Um, and so you think back, this was during uh, Clinton's administration and the people that were in the uh, department at the time. Uh, it, if, if, um, it's a stretch to think that it happened by accident. Yeah. Uh, anybody uh, that um, has, uh, uh, you know, a, even a little bit of uh, awareness of the faith in the past would have seen it. You go to the Jefferson Memorial. There are four quotes, five quotes from Jefferson in the Jefferson Memorial. Four of those quotes acknowledge God. There's the Lincoln Memorial, and his quotes acknowledge God. You know, both sides pray to the same God, read the same Bible, you know. Uh, and so it sort of sticks out as a, as a rarity to have this enormous memorial and not one mention. And, um, and so that's what motivated Chris Long. Uh, I sent out a little daily history email called American Minute, AmericanMinute.com. Uh, and I highlight different things, and I highlighted D-Day, and I uh, put the, the prayer. And Chris said, you know what, uh, I'm talking to veterans who've been up there, and they're disappointed there's no mention of God. Why don't we? And so he pushed it with, um, presented it to Senator Portman, Congressman Johnson. They gave speeches on the floor of Congress promoting it uh, and all the lobbying that takes place. And finally, the, the uh, political winds were perfect that the previous president um was um in a position where it uh allowed uh enough pressure to be put on he signed it and so the legislation is in uh there's a seven-year window to get it built uh, five of those years have gone by there's been designing and so forth so money has to be raised and that's why the appeal is being made here at the 75th anniversary for those in the listening audience that want to be a part uh ddayprayerproject.org ddayprayerproject.org indeed Bill Federer, host of the American Minute again, uh, a best-selling author wonderful American historian and a wonderful man of faith Bill, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing there uh, at the memorial and what you've done here to uh, again educate and inform our audience about this it is such an extraordinarily important part of the 75th anniversary commemoration of the D-Day landing, so uh, thank you so very much for what you do, please give my best to Chris Pastor Long and everyone else there at the memorial thank you so much sir thank you Bob you got it. Bill Federer joining us uh, right here on AM 1420. The answer, it's 1022. We'll get a quick time out and come back on the Bob France Authority. Bob France, here on AM 1420. The answer.
right, 1027 as we continue on AM 1420. The answer, I uh, promised you some speeches today, and I want to at least deliver uh, deliver them if I can. Uh, and so I want you to listen for a moment here. Again, we talk, uh, talked with Bill Federer about the role of faith and the role of God and the role of uh, belief in the... Uh, in the in the Almighty and in His blessings upon this great endeavor that we undertook or that our heroes undertook seventy five years ago, and uh, that was never more evident than in the words of our leaders, the men who sent these boys out to save the world, believed believed in the divinity of the mission. If I may, God was with them. And they wanted those boys, those men, those fighters, to know that, that God was with them. General Dwight D. Eisenhower told them this as he sent them off to save the world. Soldiers, sailors, and airmen of the Allied Expeditionary Force, you are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers-in-arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine, the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeats in open battle, man to man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck, and let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. We'll get the news now and come right back on it. All right, it's 1034 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a commemorative program today. I'm going to continue this commemorative program, by the way, coming up. Uh, about an hour and a half from now, I'm going to be sitting in for the great Dennis Prager from noon until 3. We'll talk more. Uh, I promise about the uh, 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings and the mission that literally saved the world. But I want to pivot away from that a little bit right now and talk about saving our liberty, our religious liberty, protecting our First Amendment rights to speech and to religious liberty because we know, and you know, these are under attack on an almost daily basis by a lot of people with... uh, uh, let's just say, very dangerous agendas. Uh, we tell you all the time about the Alliance Defending Freedom, working very, very hard to um, 
protect uh, and defend uh, against those who are threatened with losing their jobs, threatened with being fired, threatened with having their businesses closed down, students threatened with removal from school if they don't uh, cooperate with the agenda that is advanced, uh, no matter what it says about your religious beliefs. And the Alliance Defending Freedom is, uh, is doing just wonderful work providing free legal services for so many who need them to fight these very, very costly court battles. And we are doing our very best to raise funds to help them do so. Joining me now to tell us a little bit about one of these cases is one of the attorneys uh, representing Alliance Defending, or I should say with Alliance Defending Freedom, representing uh, clients. Uh, Denise Harley, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you. We have been covering on our program, Denise, for weeks now, um, this wonderful movement that seems to be afoot, as no less than a dozen states have passed um, restrictive abortion laws. Uh, uh, you know, they're not perfect, but they are indeed life-saving. And uh, here in the state of Ohio, we're proud of the fact that we passed a heartbeat bill law that forbids and restricts abortions after a fetal heartbeat can be detected. So this is a, a strong movement that is being pushed back upon, of course, by the uh, Planned Parenthood organizations and others. And that brings us to Indiana. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this case, Box versus Planned Parenthood. Can you tell us what is going on uh, and what the Supreme Court did earlier this month as it pertains to abortion restrictions and the recognition of unborn children as persons? Absolutely. So Indiana, like some other states, has taken measures to protect innocent human life in the womb. And... Two of those laws were ruled on by the Supreme Court essentially last week. One of them is a law that requires the deceased bodies of babies to be treated like human remains. And the Supreme Court upheld that against the wishes of Planned Parenthood, who challenged the law. So Planned Parenthood wants these babies' bodies to be treated as medical waste. And Indiana said no. They need to be treated with dignity, just like all human bodies. And the Supreme Court upheld that, which was wonderful. At the same time, the Supreme Court did not rule on another Indiana law, which the lower federal court had stopped. And that law was Indiana's attempt to prevent unborn babies from discrimination based on their race, gender, or disability. Which... Um, I think many people would correctly identify uh, essentially as eugenics, the suggestion that um, births should be prevented if the, 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 the infant in question or the preborn uh, person in question does not meet particular standards based on their sex or based on their, uh, their, their health or based upon uh, potential. Absolutely, Bob. And we all know that there are so many places in American law where people are protected from discrimination based on their sex or their race or disability. Um, we have four protections for people against that, and rightly so. And it is only common sense that the same protection should be afforded to humans in the womb. That's exactly, and, and, and isn't that uh, essentially uh, what we're looking for, Denise, in terms of a challenge 
to Roe versus Wade, and I know that's a lot bigger than what we're talking about right now. We're just dealing with the Indiana law, but if you kind of take collectively all of these states that are challenging uh, abortion rights, if there is such a thing, um, the the goal here is to get to Roe versus Wade and to reverse the ruling in 1973 that that essentially said that unborn children are not persons; they don't get they don't they aren't granted the status of personhood, and thus. Um, you know, it just becomes one body, a woman's body, and thus her choice, as opposed to a separate personal identity. That's what we're looking to do. Exactly. All of this comes back to Roe v. Wade, and that, and it's caused a mess because it's a bad decision, and it's essentially taken the state's ability away to protect unborn life. And so a law like Indiana's, which sensibly protects people from lethal discrimination... Um, is, you know, enjoined because of the Roe decision. And if I can do a really quick summary, Roe v. Wade said before viability, states are limited in what they can do to protect life. However, we've had a lot of scientific and medical advancements since 1973. And now we know that the baby has a heartbeat we can detect at six weeks. At least at 20 weeks, we know babies can feel pain. We can determine the sex and gender and even potential abnormalities well before the viability mark. So it makes no sense at all to still have this arbitrary line when we now know so much more about human development. That's a very, very great point, and that's why uh, you know what what you and uh, the good folks at Alliance uh, Defending Freedom are are fighting for. Uh, Denise Harley is our guest. She is an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, working very hard on the case uh, that we're discussing in Indiana. Um, it is encouraging, though, is it not? At least that the the high court has recognized enough of the personhood or the uh, the existence of a separate life here to demand burial either burial or cremation in the way that you would rather than treating you know the sad description here but uh, treating the uh, the the dismembered body parts of of innocent little children as quote medical waste the way planned parenthood sees them at least the court is saying this is not medical waste these are beings that that deserve you know proper burial yes and it's so encouraging to um, as you mentioned, to see the states that are using their laws to protect innocent lives because the problem with Roe is the Constitution protects life. It doesn't protect the ability to take another person's life in the name of privacy. Our lives should protect all, our law should protect all innocent lives. And that's where we're headed because even the pro-abortion folks admit that Roe v. Wade is poorly reasoned, it's a bad decision, and it's caused a lot of conflict and confusion. And so we're certainly hopeful that one of these laws will make its way to the Supreme Court and be the opportunity the court needs to reverse Roe v. Wade once and for all. Denise, I'm going to ask you one question. It's more personal now. Uh, as an attorney, you can work with probably countless numbers of law firms. You can do you know, a, a lot of different things with your law degree. Why did you want to work with Alliance Defending Freedom? What does this mean to you? Oh, it is such a joy and a pleasure. Um, God has been so good to lead me to this organization. You know, when I went to law school, like most um, naive law students, I I didn't know where I would end up, and I and I hoped that I would make lots of money somewhere. And um, 
thankfully, I started to realize that, you know, moving dollars from one corporation's bank account to another's uh, was not fulfilling. Uh, but there are some things that are fulfilling. Some things have eternal significance. Some things really are a matter of life and death. And so it is such a joy to be able to work for free for my clients because of our um, faithful ministry friends and donors. We get to help them uh, defend their constitutional rights, defend the unborn, and not have to charge any of our clients a dime. That's the reason I wanted to ask you that question, because obviously we are in a very, very important month right now. We are appealing to all of our listeners and all of the, uh, you know, American citizens who believe in everything that you just described, everything that you just described, the defense of our liberty, the defense of our freedom, the defense of our faith, the defense of the unborn, and so on and so forth. You're providing those services free of charge to your clients, but it isn't free to try these cases, to take these things, you know, and to, to do all of the discovery and all of the work that you have to do to prepare cases, to take them to court takes money so we are asking all of our listeners to do everything that they can to donate we are trying to get one hundred dollars per listener at least here at our station and at salem stations all across the country so i'm glad you were able to kind of just shine a spotlight on what it is that you do and why it is so important to you so that we can continue so you can continue your great work and we'll continue to support you in every way that we can um so denise uh, harley uh, alliance defending freedom thank you so very much for your time thanks for all you do bob you got it. It's our pleasure. Thanks very much. I, and I meant what I said to her just now, friends. Seriously, this is where you have to step up. We are in need of 38 more people. By the end of this month, we've got to have 38 more people donate $100 so that we can reach our goal, which is a part of the larger goal of Salem Communications, Salem Media, uh, trying to assist uh, Alliance Defending Freedom. As I've said before, they might not be representing you today, but you don't know when they will. I guarantee you, so many of the people like Baron L. Stutzman, whose case could be decided today, um, you know, in the case of Arlene's Flowers, I, they didn't know that they were coming for them. When the agenda seekers strike your business, your employer, your school, or whatever the case might be, <clears throat> you don't know when you are going to be in need of, of somebody to fight for you. Uh, and they'll do it for free. Alliance Defending Freedom will do it for free for you as long as they have the resources to do so. Let's provide them those resources. So once again, I ask you to call this phone number, 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or go to whkradio.com and click on the Alliance Defending Freedom banner. It's right there, and you can go to the donation page. If you can donate $100, thank you so very much for doing so. I need 38 more people to do that to reach our goal. If you can donate $200 and knock that number down to 37 to 36, that's even better. If you have the means, if you don't, maybe you can't even afford 100 but you have 50 if you got 25, whatever you can do, please go to uh, whkradio.com. Click on the Alliance Defending Freedom banner and donate what you can. It's all tax deductible. This will help you next April anyway. Uh, 1-800-691-8969. Please step up for those who are stepping up for us. 1046, quick time out. Back with our final segment of this commemorative D-Day 75th anniversary program next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. You think I'm feeling older and missing my younger days. All right, it is. Excuse me. 
Hopefully that's not going to happen too often. i got to save the voice. I've got three more hours of discussion with you today uh, coming up on the Dennis Prager program. So when we are done here in 10 minutes, Mike Gallagher will take you take over until noon. I'll come back at noon and uh, host for Dennis Prager today, and we will continue our commemorative uh, discussions of the Savior of the world, the saving of the world, literally, uh, by the uh, D-Day veterans who uh, stormed those beaches 75 years ago today. And uh, it was the beginning of the end of World War II. It was the beginning of the end of Hitler and of the Nazi machine. Uh, so we'll talk more about that as we continue. And I am going to let you hear the prayer that Bill Federer and I discussed uh, live from the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C., where he is right now for ceremonies today. But I want you to hear that prayer once again in just a moment. First, though, let me take a phone call from Brian in Lakewood, who wants to talk about a couple of Cleveland-area veterans on this uh, very important day. Brian, go right ahead, sir. Yes, uh, there were two Clevelanders. One was Bill Drew from the near west side. The other one was Bill Courtney from the Collinwood area. They were part of the 2nd Ranger Battalion. Their mission was to knock out those guns on Point to Hoke is what their battalion was tasked to do, which right. is obviously vital to the success of two beaches, because those guns could not only hit Utah Beach, they could also hit Omaha. So the plan was D and F Company were to hit the point. Charlie Company was going to hit the western bluff that overlooked Omaha. It was vital to take those guns off, because they could attack the right flank. So people coming into Omaha could not only get hit by the machine guns up on top of the bluff in front of them, but the enfilad fire from their right. So Charlie Company is going to knock out that, that bluff on the western part of Omaha. Alpha and Bravo Company, which is where Courtney and Dre were attached to, were to be back up. The, the idea was that they were going to hit the point at 6.30 in the morning. The weather was bad. They bit off on the wrong point. They bit off on Point Della Piercy. Colonel Rudder saw that, shifted them to the right. So much for the element of surprise. They landed on the eastern cliff of Point to Hoe climbed up to take that point out. The word was supposed to go to Alpha and Bravo Company to back them up. That word was to come at 7 o'clock. If the word did not come by 7, then Alpha and Bravo would go to Omaha and then take the Beerville Road to get get to that point to knock the guns out. So by 7.15, Alpha and Bravo did not get the word, so they were forced to go kind of right in behind the Bedford boys right there at Omaha Beach. So now you've got the best of the best, the second Rangers, coming in. So maybe it was a good thing they got diverted out of the landing craft that Dreer and Courtney were in. 35 men landed or got out of that craft. Six of them made it to the top of that bluff, and two of those six were Clevelanders, Courtney and Dreer. Wow. That is an absolutely mesmerizing story, Brian. <clears throat> and. Uh, what a tremendous uh, amount of pride that we all then share in, uh, in, in of course, these Clevelanders, these Northeastern Ohioers, Ohioans, um, doing such incredibly important and brave work. And everything you just described, I mean, Bill Federer has described as well, again, in that uh, wonderful presentation that he gave us at the um, Spring Freedom Banquet last month. Um, I cannot tell you how hard it is to wrap your brain around what they faced. You know, we talk about the landings, but yes, uh, those who were supposed to take out the German guns at Point to Hawk, as he was just talking about, the, the unbelievable uh, uh, and, and sometimes overlooked contribution and role that they made uh, to the entire event is simply 
uh, hard to fathom. It really is. All right, it's it's. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that fantastic story of valor and her- valor and heroism. Um, we're running a little short on time here, so I've got to get to it. It's already ten fifty four. I want to end the program with the prayer that I was discussing that I had talked to you about before. The prayer offered by the Commander in Chief of the United States, uh, President Roosevelt, as he sent the um, uh, the heroes to save the world. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest, until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, Almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith 
in thee, in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.